Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to today's Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating and joining me today is Football London's Chelsea correspondent Sam Incasol uh, and Alex Richards, uh, the assistant editor for the Mirror Online. Gentlemen, uh, I trust you both well. Uh, Sam, going to come to you first. The main kind of real talking point from the weekend, um, you know, we're going to get on to the other games a bit later, but the main big talking point is obviously Chelsea's um, can we say emphatic, even though it was only 2-0? It was quite an impressive uh, performance, I thought, anyway, against Arsenal yesterday, winning 2-0 uh, at the Emirates. Um, in terms of your thoughts and how kind of Chelsea approached the game and obviously you know, got the result that they were looking for in the end, Sam, uh, were, were you also highly impressed with what you saw from Chelsea at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an, as emphatic a 2-0, I think, as it could possibly be. Um, Arsenal had about 15 minutes spell, and I think in the second half, maybe 20 minutes, where they kind of, um, they improved. Kieran Tierney was uh, was key to that, but Chelsea never really got out of third gear, I don't really think, throughout the entire game. Um, it was ominous, I think, for Chelsea's title um, ambitions and for their opponents as well. At, that, at the top end of the Premier League table, they played very well. Um, obviously, Romelu Lukaku coming in was always going to make a huge difference. When you sign an elite striker, he's going to make a big difference. And it took him 15 minutes to to show exactly why. Um, but yeah, it was a very impressive performance with Chelsea yesterday. Arsenal certainly weren't um, at their best, ravaged by injuries and, uh, and obviously COVID cases as well. But Chelsea were pretty comfortable for the vast majority of the game. And yeah, it's been a a perfect start for for, for Tuchel. Uh, for, sorry for Thomas Tuchel and uh, his charges as they as they chase the title this season. Alex, looking at it from Arsenal's point of view, uh, they were probably looking for some kind of response after that opening day defeat against Brentford the previous week. Uh, in his pre-match press conference, Mikel Arteta had kind of started the us against them narrative very early this season, only the second game in, and he's already trying to kind of create a siege mentality at the Emirates, but just didn't work. And, and the response that, that Arsenal fans would have been hoping for and the team themselves have been looking for just wasn't there on, on Sunday, was it? No, absolutely not. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think if if this was a game where on paper you said this was Chelsea against the team that finished, I don't know, 10th, 11th, 12th last season and they weren't named Arsenal, you, you'd kind of go along with just, yeah, good Chelsea win, solid performance. Home team, okay, there was a little bit of fight, but not much there. But because they're named Arsenal, we're kind of expecting more from them. But it's just not there, is it? I mean, we saw it at the opening weekend against Brentford. There are still fragilities defensively. And Chelsea were always going to take advantage of it. You know, the first 10 minutes really set the scene. The first couple of passes that went into the direction of Romelu Lukaku and, and Pablo Mari just didn't really know how to deal with him. Um, this is a fragile Arsenal. They are struggling we all know that but you always thought previously when Arsenal were struggling that there was an attacking threat there there was a side that could could create something out of nothing but they had players that could hurt opponents I'm, I'm not so sure right now that there is um, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe who's undoubtedly talented Bukayo Saka he's not 100% fit at the moment but he's got quality Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang he's not 100% fit he came off the bench he obviously knows where the net is despite his difficulties last season but this Arsenal team really it, it, it is one that lacks threat and you can see that they are such a 
not just one level below the likes of Chelsea now, but they are a fair couple of levels below. And, and you know, as Sam said, and as you've said, Ned, you expected Chelsea to win. They did win. And Arsenal just weren't really able to compete with them, if we're being honest. Arsenal may have lacked a threat, but certainly Chelsea didn't. And uh, one man that was key to it, the return of Romelu Lukaku. Um, you know, a brilliant performance on his return to the Premier League. And Sam, it, it is the kind of display that is going to worry and scare probably some of Chelsea's title rivals. He is he is a completely different striker to the one that we saw leave Man United a couple of years ago. And he, he really is operating among the world-class strikers now, isn't he? Yeah, he's stronger, he's fitter. But also, he's more wily. He's more intelligent. Um, I mean, even considering the player that left Chelsea nine years ago, he's just a completely different player since then. He's arguably a completely different player since the one that left Manchester United a couple of years back as well. Um, look, a lot of people will point to Chelsea spending the best part of £100 million on, on Lukaku. But if you want the best, you have to pay the best money, don't you? And uh, £97.5 million gets you that. And as I say, within 15 minutes, you saw the impact that he was going to have. The way he just held up Pablo Mari, who had an absolutely torrid time again against him yesterday, held him off and spun him behind him, shrugged him off to run past him. Uh, and then he was free in the six yard box to, to tap home the opening goal. But it wasn't just that. It was just his general hold up play. Um, he obviously there's still, there were still some teething problems. He was doing a lot of conducting essentially throughout the game yesterday, pointing to where he wanted the ball, whether he wanted it into his feet, whether he wanted it into his chest, whether he wanted it down the channel uh, to run in behind. But Chelsea's attacking, um, prowess has completely changed with with Lukaku at the forefront last season it had to be very precise uh, because their goal scoring wasn't necessarily there uh, for Tuchel in that the first six months of his reign but now they've got a striker that is inevitably going to gamble and he's going to get in the box he's going to get into those positions like we saw with his header that um, was tapped, uh, tipped onto the bar world class save from Leno there uh, it could have been a, a lot more for Chelsea yesterday so yeah they're, 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 it's completely changed um, the, 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 the dynamic at the club they desperately needed a goal scorer. They've got one. Um, and as I said earlier, yeah, it's just very ominous for, I think, those in the chasing pack, Man City, Liverpool, Manchester United, even Tottenham, we could probably throw into that after the start of the season. We'll see how long that lasts. But yeah, it's very ominous. And, and the, the warning signs are there. I've been thrown out from Chelsea early doors with Lukaku signing. Uh, as a Spurs fan, I very much appreciate you putting us in the title mix, but uh, I can't see it myself, you're, honestly. You're, you're up there at the moment. Up there at the moment. <laughs> exactly. We're doing a lot better than Arsenal are. Um, but it is quite interesting in terms of the money spent. Chelsea have gone and spent £100 million on Lukaku. You look at that and you kind of think that's exactly what they've needed. They've kind of looked at an area and they've strengthened and that probably has turned them into massive title contenders. They would have been title contenders anyway after the, the the improvements that they've had on the Tuchel, but it's been a massive improvement now that they have got that that one area where it maybe was lacking a little bit last year in terms of goals. Arsenal, on the other hand, go and spend, what is it, nearly 120 million now, isn't it? Do you think they've strengthened that squad at all, Alex, with with, with the money and the players that they've brought in? You know, you kind of, it, it feels almost like they've put fresh wheels on the Ferrari, but the engine still isn't working. No, that's a good good analogy, Ned. Like that, um, it feels like they've spent a lot of money to strengthen a squad, but they haven't actually strengthened their first team all that much. Um, you, you look at the signing of Martin Odegaard last week, and and there's no doubt he's a very good player. He's a very talented player, but you've already got Emil Smith Rowe in that position, and you've just handed Emil Smith Rowe a new five year contract. You're now going to try and fit those two in the same team together, whereas where you're going to effectively have to move one of them into a position where they don't particularly like to be and, and make one of them a square peg in a round hole, so to speak. 
Um, ben White, obviously missing yesterday, spent a lot of money on him. I've got no doubts that you get eight to 10 years out of Ben White playing centre-half. That's a brilliant deal. However, at this present moment, you need to find the right partner for Ben White. Is that Pablo Mari? Is that Gabriel, who they spent big money on last year? I'm inclined to believe it will be the latter, but we haven't seen that partnership yet. We haven't seen it develop. So how do you know that that's going to work? Sambi Lakonga, he's doing a decent job in midfield alongside Granit Xhaka, but again, 17 million or so spent on him. Thomas Partey's going to return in that position. So Arsenal have spent money, but when you look at the actual starting 11, it it hasn't really improved all that much. There's greater depth there, but it just feels like Mikel Arteta's picking kind of the same kind of options, the same kind of level of talent, just in various different guises. Yeah, it feels almost like, I think it was Everton a few years back and they nearly had like a squad of number 10s, wasn't it? They just kept buying and buying them. And even though they had, you know, plenty already in the squad, they were just like, no, we're going to buy another number 10. And it, it, it does seem a bit... Um, bizarre and the, and the thing that you said there about Emil Smith-Rowe they, I mean, they gave him the number 10 shirt as well that's not a sign that he's going to be the future I, I just don't get the Odegaard signing at all um, but Sam obviously far more positive on the other side of London uh, things are with Chelsea um, you know Thomas Tuchel's been there less than less than a year but the impact that he's had has been phenomenal um, you know the kind of way that he's kind of taken the club on I know there was a few murmurs and doubts about whether or not he was the right man for Chelsea and, and the fact that he in previous jobs he, he was known to rub people up the wrong way um, but he's, he's doing a fantastic job and he's carried that on into this season and, and the real test now is obviously whether or not Chelsea can, can maintain this run and, and keep it going when they do come up against tougher sides a little bit later on yeah, absolutely. Well, we face Liverpool um, this weekend, so that'll be the very stern test of, of of their credentials going forward. But yeah, Tuchel, he's been transformative since he replaced uh, Frank Lampard. There was a uh, Chelsea were meandering the wrong in the wrong direction under Lampard. I know he's a, he's a club legend. There, lots of people were very sad to see him go. Uh, I feel like he should have been given more time. But they've brought in an elite coach in Thomas Tuchel. Yes, he might rub some people up the wrong way, um, but he's reached Champions League final the last two seasons. Obviously, won one with Chelsea and lost the other one with PSG. Uh, and he's in that top tier of elite coaches in the world. Um, so it's no real surprise that he has managed to transform Chelsea round. Um, you have to remember he did it last season with the squad that he inherited from Frank Lampard as well. Uh, switched to five at the back and it paid huge dividends. Um, barely conceded any goals under under his watch. I think it was 16 in 30 games. On the sorry, 18 in 30 games it was they conceded. And yeah, he's just made these ta- little tactical tweaks. And but he, what he always speaks about is a bond, um, a special bond that he wants to create within his squad that gets players playing for each other and, and playing for the shirt. We get all those cliches, but um, he says it all the time. And when he signed Lukaku, he, he said he wanted to get a player in that fitted the profile of the club, um, a player that wanted to prove himself, someone that would fit in with the dressing room. Um, you don't go and spend £100 million on on someone that you don't think is going to do the right job for you. That's pretty clear. But um, with Lukaku, it, it's, it's worked out already. You can see that. Um, and yeah, he's just been he's been excellent. Um, there will be bumpy roads along the way. There was a few iffy results towards the end of last season as well. They needed was this, well, they needed Spurs to bail him out on the last day of the season, wasn't it, to get that top four spot because they lost to Aston Villa. So there will be bumps along the way. It's not all going to be um, sweetness and light and roses and rainbows but the early signs what's we'll the early signs um, about what we eight months into his reign now um, it looks like he could be a Chelsea manager that could be there for in their terms a long while um, and we know Chelsea that can obviously change pretty drastically uh, long term might only be a couple of years maybe even a year so um, we'll see what happens in the future but yeah very impressive so far um, he's, he's been on a bit of a charm offensive as well and the fans are the fans are fully warm to him and yeah I can only see positive things going forward 
Sam, I have to ask you as well, there's uh, not long left before the transfer window does shut. Um, you know, Chelsea have got their man, they've got that big striker that they were looking for. But in terms of, of the business that's going to happen for Chelsea between now and the end of the season, is a lot of it going to be focused on trying to move uh, a few other players on as well? Obviously, already got rid of Tammy Abraham, um, but there's probably a few other names that I've got in my head that might be trying to, uh, or Chelsea might be trying to move out before the window shuts. Yeah, so I mean, you look at let's say Tammy Abraham's gone. Let's say they spent nearly 100 million pounds on Lukaku, but Chelsea have recouped almost 90 million pounds in transfer fees already this summer. So the net spend is pretty good for on that regard. Um, yeah, it'll be the likes of David Zappacosta will probably leave uh, Danny Drinkwater to Mui Bakayoko, um, Ross Barkley, players like that. Um, Kurt Zuma has uh, been heavily linked again with a with a move to West Ham in the last 24 hours or so. So I think it's more of a case that if Chelsea were to bring any more players in, they need to ship some out. We know they've got a massive squad. Tuchel had 42 players at Cobham for one training session on a Monday um, ahead of the first game of the season against Palace. So they've got an extremely bloated squad that needs to be trimmed down. Whether that's through players being loaned out but signing one-year contract extensions, which seems to be the norm to hold some value. Um, but yeah, as I say, any any potential incomings, there's the likes of Jules Koundé of Sevilla has been linked, Aurelien Chouameni of um, Monaco as well. But players will have to be sold uh, before uh, they come in because they're simply not. <laughs> the squad's simply too big, so they just need to get rid of a few players before they can bring any more in. Alex, just going back to Arsenal, um, there was a slight feeling in, in, in myself that kind of Mikel Arteta always had this this kind of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer esque uh, ability to dig out a result when he needed to. Obviously, against uh, Chelsea around Christmas time last year, that was the result that kind of really changed it. Probably saved him um, from, from losing his job. Then um, he could have done with that yesterday, really, uh, in terms of now the pressure that's on him, and it, and it's only going to build, um, you know, as the, as the week goes on. And Arsenal have, have got a, a difficult run, I think, ahead of them as well. So, in terms of the pressure that Arteta's under at the minute is this the most pressure that he's been under in his time at Arsenal yeah certainly um, I think if we if we go back to last Christmas he, he was still very much trading off the goodwill that the FA Cup brought and that and that success um, you know you mentioned he, he, he was very pragmatic in that FA Cup run um, remember they were playing three at the back then they were going into a 5-4-1 five, a formation effectively when they were without the ball um, he's gone completely away from that he's now gone back towards the what we expected of him when he first took the job playing this 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 formation, being being wedded to keeping the ball, playing out from the back, that kind of thing. Uh, and he, you know, I'm looking at them now and I'm thinking they go to Man City this weekend. Are they going to continue doing that or are they going to go back to, to what we saw win the FA Cup? Now, for me, if I was in charge, I'd be looking to go back just to stabilise, just to, to give yourself a foothold but I don't think he will. I think he's very much ready to doing it this way now. It's kind of, this is the way I want to do it. So this is the way and, and damned if we do, damned if we don't kind of thing. We'll all go down. We'll go down in a blaze of glory. Um, it's not going to be so glorious though, let's be honest. Before then, they've got the Carabao Cup against West Brom in midweek and, and West Brom are battering teams at the moment with very good counter-attacking play and with very strong set pieces. Valerian Ishmael has got them absolutely flying in the early part of the season top scorers in the championship and they look well set already for a return to the Premier League. It's not going to be a West Brom team that goes down with a whimper in any way, shape or form like we saw on occasion last season. So Wednesday night, Carabao Cup, if Mikel Arteta loses that one, this pressure just grows even further. They go to Man City at the weekend. If they take a tanking at Man City, if they concede three or four, you go into an international break then and Mikel Arteta has got to be looking over his shoulder, especially with the money spent. Now, if you're the owners there, if you're the board, 
do you sack a manager after you've given him so much backing in the transfer market in the summer? Probably not. But you have to say that the pressure is growing. And if Mikel Arteta then has a poor September and we go into another international break and they haven't done well, it's a big problem. And he may well come under very, very intense scrutiny at that point. Gentlemen, there were a few other games in the Premier League at the weekend, of course, as well. Um, Sam, I think you mentioned them earlier, Man United being among the title contenders along with Chelsea. Um, but one thing that we kind of always thought about Man United was that there was this, this inconsistency last year that kind of held them back a bit. Um, you know, we saw how brilliant they were again on the opening day against Leeds. But it was a similar story against Southampton at the weekend, wasn't it? That it was that inconsistency, the inability to string two good performances for 90 minutes together is, is really what cost them at St Mary's. Yeah, and United pretty much always win down at St Mary's, didn't they? So it was a very, it was a surprise to see them uh, to see them drop points down there. I managed to did manage to catch a bit of the game at the Emirates actually. Um, yeah, it's an, United are it, it, they're they're an interesting case this season. I think United because I mean, look, they've had some stability under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for the last couple of years. Um, obviously, inheriting what happened before um, from. Jose Mourinho, Lou Van Gaal, et cetera, et cetera. David Moyes, even going back there. Um, um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a transitional period almost for United. But I think this season is the one where Solskjaer really actually does need to step up now. He's not. It's not like he's not been backed, um, especially this summer. Jaden Sancho, Rafael Varane coming in. Um, big signings have been made pretty much each summer um, by Solskjaer. So now the pressure is really on him. And yeah, as as you rightly say, inconsistency. And that if you're inconsistent, you're not going to you're not going to win Premier League titles. You're not going to challenge at that very top level, uh, sorry, the top echelons of of the league. So I'm very interested to see how United get on this. I mean, Paul Pogba started fantastically. January is going to be massive for that, as is because he, I think he can speak to clubs. I think um, and in January in Europe, um, and he started was it five assists. I think he's got already in his first two games. So he's he's coming into form at a good time. You can make of that what you will. But um, with United, yeah, I'm still expecting them to find a bit more consistency early season, disrupted pre-season. And, you know, obviously all the, the pandemic stuff from last season, a bit with the season being truncated and, and, and grueling for over those, over those months. So yeah, early days, I'm not going to snap judgment just yet and say United are not going to be up there or thereabouts this season. But I think the pressure, we spoke about pressure on Arteta. I think there will certainly be some on Solskjaer this season uh, as well. If, if results don't, well, not necessarily improve because obviously they haven't lost yet. But if they if they still keep they keep those inconsistencies, then absolutely, I think then there will be some um, a lot of pressure put on him. Uh, Alex, just switching over to the other side of Manchester. Uh, Man City got their first win of the season, uh, thumping Norwich five nil. In terms of the performance and display, you know there are going to be tougher tests again. That, that seems to be my favourite word on this podcast or favourite phrase at least uh, on this podcast this morning, but there will be tougher tests for Man City, but that's the result and the performance that they needed to try and put down their own marker after losing last weekend. Yeah, certainly. This is what I've come to expect from Man City though, isn't it? You know, um, I've seen some criticism of Norwich about the way they, they line up and the way they still tried to play their football and, and gave up space. But I mean, what exactly are we expecting Norwich to do in a game like that, given the amount of the disparity between the two sides? Um, but City did exactly what, what we thought they would do. They they just kept the ball and then they just picked their moments. They tore Norwich apart down Norwich's left side. Gabriel Jesus played wide on the right um, and he was excellent. Interesting Pep Guardiola using him out there. 
Ferran Torres started as the centre forward. Um, Jesus actually speaking at the end of the game said that it's where I play for Brazil. I don't, I don't mind playing here. Um, so it's a, it's just a little hint that perhaps if that Harry Kane deal does go through at some point, Gabriel Jesus not necessarily going to be out on his ear so much. Um, but they took Norwich to task. Jack Grealish got his first goal, of course, very fortunate. Just bouncing off his knee and rolling over the line. Not a bad way to open your account when you've cost 100 million. Um, but this is, this is City and now they go walking into a game against an Arsenal side that we've mentioned and you have to make them heavy favourites for that one and they'll be looking to go into the international break with two wins from two and with another glut of goals. Um, bolstering that tally, but they're champions for a reason and, and you know, the slip on the opening weekend at Spurs was just that. It's a slip. They're going to be as consistent as ever and they probably still are the team to beat. Uh, another team that are looking quite good early on in the season is Liverpool. Uh, Sam, Chelsea are the next opponents for Liverpool. It's going to be uh, an interesting game to watch. Two wins for both sides. Uh, both teams have also recorded clean sheets in their opening two games this season. Virgil van Dijk is back for Liverpool as well. Uh, that already kind of in my head there. I had to, to stop and pause because it sounds like such a good matchup, doesn't it? Romelu Lukaku against yeah. Virgil van Dijk this weekend. We're, we're only Monday and it sounds like I'm already getting quite excited about it. That's going to be a battle for the ages, I think, those two. Um, that could be really good, really interesting watch. Yeah, Liverpool, I expected them to vastly improve. I mean, obviously, they finished last season very well. Um, they were never going to have those defensive issues that they had last season with all those injuries that that, that befell them. Van Dijk coming back, who's the best defender in the league probably, isn't he? So, I mean, yeah, that was always going to help. So it's no coincidence that they've kept two clean sheets in their, in their first couple of games. Um, still can't get used to Jurgen Klopp without his glasses. That is one thing I will say. <laughs> Still can't get over that. And apparently, he's going to keep that. He had some corrective eye surgery over the summer, I think he said, didn't he? And there's, there's going to be no glasses going forward. But yeah, Liverpool are always going to be there or thereabouts. You've got you've got your best defender back. You've got that fearsome front three that are still very, very good. They're never going to drop off, are they? Even though Mane had a bit of an iffy season last season, so they were better Firmino, but Salah picked up the slack. They were, they were never going to struggle again. So yeah, no real surprise to see Liverpool going great guns to start the season. And I'm really looking forward to that game on Saturday night against Chelsea because I think Whoever wins that battle between Van Dijk and Lukaku will probably have a huge say in how the match goes as a, as a, as a whole. So it's going to be certainly one that, that many neutrals and obviously the fans will want to keep an eye on. So I think it could be a real classic. I've, uh, I'm, I'm off to a wedding uh, this weekend, and the groom oh, happens no. to be a massive. Yeah, yeah, and the groom <laughs> happens to be a massive Liverpool fan. So bless him. He'd um, they delayed the wedding about four times uh, because of obviously the whole pandemic and stuff. So this was the one that they kind of they scheduled in, and I think the I think the ceremony is at four o'clock. So just about to be finished. Uh, just as we sat down for dinner, he'll have the, the phone in front of him, probably watching the game and, and getting updates from that. That'd be an early test of a wedding match or any in bliss, won't it? Um, Alex, just looking around at the other Premier League results uh, from the weekend, Crystal Palace still without a win and a goal under Patrick Pierre, but picked up their first point. Uh, Newcastle also winless. It looks like there's a, a few chance going of, of Steve Bruce out. What were the other kind of bits from the weekend that may have caught your eye at all? I think, as you mentioned there, Palace under Patrick Pierre, there have been some early, I don't want to say comparisons with Frank de Boer, because, well, Vieira's got a point on the board. Um, but there's been some some mentions that is, is this another kind of that situation? I don't think it is. I think Palace will, will be all right. They're adapting to a new style of play. They've just come up against two very good teams so far in Chelsea and, and in a Brentford team who I've been really impressed with. And, and I think you, you're going to go some way. There will surely, I think, be three teams worse than Brentford come the end of the season. 
They look so well organized. They carry a threat. They're very good on set pieces, both in their own box and in the opponent's box. They just look a good, a good Premier League outfit, um, which after only two games is quite the thing to say. If they carry on playing the way they are playing and improving, I see no reason why Brentford don't finish very safely this summer, this season, I should say. Um, you've mentioned there Steve Bruce and Newcastle. They're, they're very strange at the moment, I think, because they're trying to transition. There's been so much talk of Steve Bruce's pragmatism last season and, and that they're boring to watch and that kind of thing. He's trying to actively change that. You know, They were so exciting in the opening game against West Ham and in the first half, Alan St. Maximan just lit the place up. He was, he was absolutely brilliant. But then they collapsed in the second half, three goals in 20 minutes. West Ham run away with a 4-2 defeat. And they never looked like bouncing back from that at Villa Park. Uh, Danny Ings' goal was was typical Danny Ings, just an absolute brilliant poachers finish. Steve Bruce spent his post-match um, press conference and, and he's, he's talking with the TV guys, complaining about the penalty given for a handball by Jamal Lascelles. Well, if his arm's out there, I, I don't see what the, the issue is. He also did, didn't like a decision that VAR gave at the other end. Now, it's, a, it's two games in, Steve, and you're moaning about referees and VAR. He needs to look inward and he needs to get Newcastle bouncing back. St. Maximan's key. Callum Wilson is vital. He missed a very good chance at nil-nil. He will get goals, but those are the sorts of things that are going to turn Newcastle season. If he scores that and they go one up, it's a very different game. So they need to keep feeding those two. They keep needing to attack, but I can't forget the defensive part of things. They were so solid for so long under Benitez and then Steve Bruce, but you can't lose that even as you transition to being more offensive. I think he's caught between kind of a rock and a hard place at the moment, Steve Bruce. He needs to find an answer. Um, elsewhere, Spurs, Harry Kane returning um, 20 minutes off the bench, gets a good ovation for Spurs fans, not such a good one from the Wolves fans. <laughs> but, but he wasn't really the headline comeback act for Spurs. It was Deli Ali, who I think Ian Wright was very um, complimentary about him on Match of the Day too. And Deli Ali was was largely excellent in a in a tough game for Spurs. They came away with a one nil win, but Wolves had a heck of a lot of chances. There's just no finishing touch there at the moment. They Raúl Jiménez he'll get up to speed now that he's playing regularly, so that's good. But Adama Traore, we're talking about a player who's rated around forty million. My word, if he had a finishing touch, we'd be talking about double that because he he could have put Spurs to the sword on his own, as he could have against Leicester on the opening day. Wolves need him to find his shooting boots because without them, they're kind of a little bit light in attack at the moment. But Deli Ali, brilliant, and it's good to see Gareth Southgate was there. I'm sure he was impressed. Sam, just briefly before we go, um, just wanted to get your kind of highlight from the weekend. I'm guessing it involves uh, a big striker who wears number nine on his back. Uh, you know what? I th- how very predictable. Yeah, um, I mean, he was he was he was sensational. Um, he looked like he'd he, he almost looked like he'd never been away. He just slotted back into the Premier League life so seamlessly. Um, but as I said earlier, he's a very different player these days. But um, yeah, he just absolutely bullied Arsenal throughout the game, uh, and it was no surprise to see him get on the score sheet. Um, so yeah, Chelsea. I know I've got I've got a very big Chelsea head on, but I think um, Jorginho had another quietly excellent game. I think he's had an excellent last eight months or so. Um, obviously, won the Champions League, won the 
Euro 2020 with Italy as well. And um, he's been very much at the folk, uh, a focal point for how good Chelsea have been over the last uh, eight months. And he was very good again at the weekend. Um, and you have to remember as well, Ungolo Kante didn't play for Chelsea. Um, he didn't start, sorry, um, for Chelsea at the weekend. He came off the bench. So it's uh, been a very interesting time for the Blues. But yeah, if I do have my Blues hat on, yeah, Romelu Lukaku's performance was was, was brilliant. And it's just a sign of things to come. And I can't wait to, for the rest of the season, really, just to see what he does. Uh, and Alex, for yourself as well, what was the, what was the highlight for the weekend? Um, sticking with the kind of Chelsea theme, Reese James's performance. I, I thought he was absolutely excellent at right wing back. And on the same token, Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool. He looks absolutely back to his best. And, and the two of those, um, interesting conundrum for Gareth Southgate continuing going forward with those two playing so well. And, and another English right back, Carl Walker. He played a really good part in Man City's win against Norwich. Um, so, you know, that right back question with internationals around the corner again, it's just going to continue for Gareth. <laughs> just have a squad of right backs again, as, as he's always told that he probably has. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, just before we go, just want to point to a few more of our shows that we've got coming up this week. Uh, we've got our EFL podcast uh, tomorrow, looking back from all the action from the Championship, League One and League Two out every Thursday, Tuesday even. I can't say Thursday because that's the day that our main show comes out with John Cross and some of our other uh, writers from our national titles. Uh, and of course, next Monday, you can look forward to another brilliant Premier League review, looking back at another action packed weekend Uh, but for now it's goodbye